The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Good morning. Everybody here okay? You know what this, uh, doing all of this, what I just now did, and coming up the steps and coming over here, feels like getting up in the morning. (laughs) Have to take on stuff, put on stuff, take off stuff. So, I am happy to be here with you today. Um, I am not much or very good like Beth. No, I didn't mean it to be that way. Let me see here. (laughs) Let me change that. I believe the last time Beth spoke to us, I think she said that she was not good at titling things. Is that right? I have that gift also. And so, I'm going to give it my best attempt. If I was to title uh, this sermon today, I would say, Wrestling at Christmas Time. And then, because I'm not so creative, I would add a subtitle. And the subtitle would be, What Child Is This? On uh, October 25th, Uh, Marty Schrader, he's one of our elders, he preached a sermon on wrestling with God and for blessing and the process that you have to go through with that. The idea of wrestling with God for a blessing, which is a process, continues to affect my life today. And for me personally, I am finding that wrestling is always in season. Doesn't matter if it's winter, doesn't matter if it's spring, summer, or fall, doesn't matter if it's a holiday, if it's a birthday, wrestling is always in season. And so for me personally, I'm in a season of wrestling. Uh, What that looks like for me Uh, Over this last month or so, maybe six weeks, there's been times when I would wake up at two or three or four o'clock in the morning. And uh, some of that was to take pills. And some of that was my eyes would open up and I would look at the clock and I would shake my head and I'd close my eyes. And finally, I would either start praying or I would have wrestling stuff coming upon me. And if I'm honest with you, sometimes that was because of the pain that I was in. Um, So personally, I have been wrestling with two issues here recently. The first issue is with my mom. She is in a, a care facility And my wrestling would sound a little bit like this. God, what are you doing? What are you up to? I didn't sign up for all of this. Sometimes I feel like you're not near me. Sometimes I feel like you're distant. 
Uh, is this money that we need to keep her here that you led us to? Trying to do that Adam thing with Eve, you know, how he said, it's not my fault, it's her fault. So I'm wrestling with him. I said, is that coming in on time? What are we going to do if it doesn't? I'm wrestling with him. The second thing is, I'm wrestling with this. I said, God, what are you thinking? What are you up to? Why, why did you, why, I, I don't even have the words for that. Why did this happen? You trying to teach me a lesson or something? You telling me to suck it up, buttercup? What are you saying? Why now? I got too much on my plate. I got too much to do. I got to help my mom. We got to get her moved so we can get that money. What are you thinking? I try to be a team player at work, but I can't be a team player if I got to carry this thing around with me all the time. What are you doing? Are you big enough to take care of me? Are you really who you say that you are? Because sometimes I'm not seeing that. Now I know, and, 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 and God, I'm talking to you about this. I haven't even mentioned the word, four letter word, pain. Why am I in all this pain? I mean, I know that you healed people in the Old Testament. I know that you've healed people in the New Testament. I have seen miraculous things in my lifetime. So I know that you healed today. What are you saying to me, God? Or are you not able to save me? Are you not able to help me? Can you rescue me or not? I'm wrestling with God. Asking him to deliver me. I'm thinking, and uh, not that God has said anything to me personally about you all, <laughs> but I'm thinking that all of us Wrestle. Actually, I like what Marty said. Wrestle. I can't say it right, so I'm not going to say it anymore. I'll try it one more time. Wrestling. Okay, I'm done with that. The bottom line is this, guys. We have big questions to ask God, especially when those things concern us. Sometimes we talk to Jesus. Sometimes we talk to God. Sometimes we talk to the Holy Spirit. Basically what we're asking him is this. Can you save me? Can you rescue me? Are you really real? Are you big enough? Are you bold enough? Are you saved? Are you saying that you are who you really are? I know that uh, Isaiah, we're going to read a couple verses from Isaiah here in a few moments. 
I know that Isaiah is Israel. So when he was doing his thing in Israel, I know that that country was, they were wrestling with God. God, why do you let these other people come into our land our, our, that you promised us? And then they run over us and kick us out. They take us back to places we don't want to go. And just as soon as we get settled in again, here comes somebody else. They were wrestling with God. I also know that a guy by the name of William C. Dix, he was wrestling with God. And he is the one that wrote the words to the song that we just sang. What child is this? And I believe that that song reflects the wrestling that was going on inside of his head and inside of his soul. Let's pray. Father, we are just grateful and thankful for your presence here today. Hmm. Father, I just pray that your peace would settle upon our hearts and upon our minds, and that the anxiousness that we sometimes feel would just drift away. I pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to us today. I pray, Lord, that you would come and visit with us. Put your arm around us. Cause us to be a part of you. I pray that you would infuse us with hope and let us know that you are here and that you are with us. Father, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing and for all that you have done. Help us to place our hand in your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to uh, give you the words to this song again. What child is this? And uh, when uh, he wrote this thing, or when they put this, this song together, they ended up with three verses. I'm going to read all three of them to you. Uh, sometimes people have different versions of this song. And so if mine sounds a little different, I'm just telling you it was the first one. All right. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? And also the chorus. I want to read that also. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. That's the first verse and the first chorus. These words were actually written by uh, William C. Dix, so I'm going to refer to him as William. His, last, his middle name, C., is a long name. 
So I am not going to try and say all of that. So I'm just going to refer to him as William. He wrote these words as a poem, and uh, he entitled that poem, The Manger Throne. Uh, he wrote this with several other poems, and they were published in 1865. In 1871, uh, Henry Bramley and John Stainer, they added a green sleeve melody from the 1500s to these words, and that song became complete. That song, that slash hymn, became complete, and it became known as What Child Is This? Now, at the time when William was writing this, he was an insurance manager, and he was recovering from a long and severe illness, which also included depression. And as he was coming out of that during his recovery, he had lots of time to read and study the Bible and to pray. And I believe that it was during that time that he was wrestling with God. I believe this poem, which turned into a hymn, reflects that. He started out by asking the question, what child is this? We ask that same question today. What child is this? I'll be more specific because that child was Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is Jesus to us today? This uh, psalm actually has three verses to it. And uh, the first verse, it asks a question. And then it gives a response or an answer to that question. The second verse it asks a question too. And then it gives a response or an answer to that question. The third verse, many people say that it is a universal response in answering to that first and second question. And it's encouraging us to have Jesus ask him to come into our heart and into our life to make him Lord of our life. That's the way that the song is actually set up. And so the first verse, which we just read a minute or two ago, again, he starts out by asking, what child is this? He's wrestling with that issue. I am sure if he had an illness, and it was a major illness, and it was a severe illness, I am sure that's one of the reasons why that depression began to cloud his thinking and to come over his mind. And I'm sure that he was wrestling. What, what did I do to deserve this? Why is all of this happening to me? I was just a normal guy, and yet all of this has come upon me. And then that got even deeper. Who is this Jesus that I've tried to give my life to? that I'm trying to serve. Is he really the son of God? Many believe that the words to this song, uh, two scriptures that he used for that, would be Isaiah, the ninth chapter and the sixth verse, 
and Luke, the second chapter. And although we've limited the number of verses uh, that we'll cover from that, you could use that whole second chapter for that song. Uh, I want to start with Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I want to look at those four things that it mentions, four names for Jesus that Isaiah had on the inside of him. Wonderful, and some people would say five. Uh, this is the first time that I had noticed this when I was preparing for this. Wonderful, in some Bibles, has a comma after it. And I've always said, wonderful counselor. Because I thought that that sounds good and right. But you know what? He's just wonderful. He's just wonderful. And then you put that counseling thing on top of that. Whew, that's just better than an ice cream sundae on a hot day. All right, wonderful. That means that he's exceptional, that he is distinguished, that he is above the rest, that he has no peers. That means that there are no gods in front of him, with him, ahead of him, behind him. There is nothing, there was no one that can match him. Wonderful. That counselor thing, it means that he is the one who always gives the right advice. You know what? I am trying to learn to hear the voice of God. And uh, at this point, I can say that's been a, a, a lifelong pursuit. But over in the last couple of years, I am beginning to realize that God speaks to me and I hear him, and I don't, I, I figure it out in my own mind instead of being quiet and listening some more. And I'm figuring out that he talks to me and he says things to me that are just right. He has never, ever given me the wrong advice. Never. That's why they say counselor. And that's why some people say wonderful counselor, because he's always right. He always gives the right advice. Mighty God. It's talking about Jesus. Mighty God means that he is God himself. Now, we don't have three years here right now to try and unpack the Trinity and, and how that thing works. We don't have enough time to do that right now. So I'm not going to try. I'm just going to tell you, trust me, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they work together, they're three in one, and that's as far as I'm going to go with that. He is God himself. Everlasting Father, he is timeless. He is God, our Father. 
And then finally, Prince of Peace. His government is one of justice and peace. That's the God, that's Jesus that was born, and we see this birth in Luke, the second chapter. Let's go up to Luke, the second chapter. Starting in 2.8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you tidings and good joy. Good news that will cause... Let's see here, I'm reading this wrong. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Jesus, he's a Savior. I mean, just just looking at the word, that means he's going to save us. And if you look at the Greek word for save or salvation, it means both physical and spiritual. He has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And so I say to you that that's who he is. Is he big enough? Yeah, buddy, he's big enough. Can he keep his word? He does it all the time. You know how he created the earth? You know how he created the universe? You know how he created everything that we see, all the oceans, the the stars, the sun, the moon? He spoke that into existence. I'm thinking his word is pretty powerful. And his word Another word for word is Bible. So let me ask you, is this the Jesus that you serve? I like what Pastor Sean said as he is making this transition. Or do you serve a baby Jesus? Sounds funny. But you know what? Many people serve a baby Jesus. They're not serving the Jesus that Isaiah talked about. They're not serving the Jesus that Luke talked about. They're serving a baby Jesus. But you know what? Jesus grew up. And look what all he did. He died on the cross, which allows us to be here today. Who are you serving? When I was, uh, I'm going to say when I was in college here at Nebraska Wesleyan, and I started there in 1975, that's where I met Terry, and I finished in 79, and uh, in the 70s, there was a a Christian songwriter singer and his name is Andre Crouch. So that's more than a blast from the past. 
Some of you weren't born until late 80s. Anyway, he did this song, and it's called, What Does Jesus Mean to You? I'm going to read the words to you. If you have a chance, listen to it. I don't know if you like music from that century or not, but if you have a chance, listen to this song. I'll give you the words today. (laughs) What does Jesus mean to you? Do you know Jesus like I do? Or is he just a puzzle and you are trying to make the pieces fit? Is he high up on a cloud or just another Grecian myth? Tell me, what does Jesus mean to you? Do you know his love for you is really, really true? Do you read his book only when you're feeling good or I'm sorry, only when you're feeling low? Do you run to him only where there is no place, only when there is no place else to go? Tell me, what does Jesus mean to you? It might seem kind of funny why we love him so after we try to put him down. But he would have died for you and me way high on Calvary, if I had been the only boy in town, or if you had been the only one around. Do you really want to know just what Jesus means to me? He is everything, everything you see. Tell me, how can the Lord of Lords become a superstar? How can the King of Kings be known as just any old thing? Do we run to him because maybe he is something new? What are you going to do with yourself when all the new is through? Tell me, what does Jesus mean to you? Right now, tell me, what does Jesus mean to you? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus asks his disciples the same question. If we look at Luke's account in 9, 18 through 20, he is talking with the disciples, and as he's talking with the disciples, he stops and he looks at them and he asks them a question. And he says, who do you think I am? One response was, You know, some people say you're a prophet. That's what the people say. And they gave several different responses. And Peter, and I know this has had to be hard from him, but he just waited, there was a pause, and then he says, you are the Messiah, the anointed one. Who is Jesus to you? When you're asking those tough questions, when you're wrestling, what are you saying? Who is Jesus to you? I want to look at verse 2 of the song. Let me read that to you, verse 2. If I can get my pages here. 
when this happens, I do the old-fashioned thing. I'm hoping I'm not offending you. There we go. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to read that. I left my glasses at home. So, uh, maybe this will work. Why lies he in such means? No, I'm not going to be able to read it. Anyway, what he's talking about there is this. It's talking about Jesus being born in a manger. That manger would have been in a cave. That cave would have been dark, and it would have been dirty, and there would have been animals there. He was there because there was no room in the inn. And the thing that I want to say about this is this. Sometimes we are looking at the wrong thing. People had a hard time accepting Jesus because they said, oh, we know your brothers and your sisters. We know your, your dad. He was a carpenter. Are you Jesus from Nazareth? They were looking at the wrong thing. If they knew about his birth, they were looking at the wrong thing. We can't have a king coming from a place like that. This king that we're looking for, the Hebrews, the Jewish people, the people who lived in Israel, they were saying, this king that we're looking for, he's got to come in here and kick these other people out. That kind of person can't be born in a place like that. I'm telling you, things aren't always what they appear to be. And sometimes we, me, we, as Christians, when we are thinking about Jesus and we're looking at ourselves and we don't have what we want or, or think we're near where we're supposed to be near in our own minds, sometimes we say, I guess he isn't. Sometimes we get discouraged. But I'm telling you, telling you, things aren't always as they appear to be. They're not always as they appear to be. And instead of being overwhelmed by all of this stuff that's around us, all of this stuff where people are saying this and that, instead of looking at the condition that the world is, is, is in, instead of doing all of that stuff, what I'm asking you to do instead is this. Look into the face of Jesus. Well, how do we know what that is? I just read that to you from Isaiah. I just read that to you from uh, uh, Luke. He's the Savior. Well, he can't do that. And if he is doing that, then why am I not saved? Why haven't I been relieved? Why haven't I been rescued? But I'm telling you, things aren't always as they appear to be. So don't get distracted. When I was growing up and I was playing basketball, and one of the things that one of my coaches said to me, he said, He said, 
when you're guarding somebody, don't look at the ball. If you're face to face and you're guarding somebody, don't look at the ball. Because things aren't always what they seem to be. He said this, look at the belly button. And I'm thinking, ooh, yuck. <laughs> but he said, look at the belly button. Because that person ain't going any place without his belly button going with him. <laughs> A ball can go someplace. Whoosh, and then behind the back and come out someplace and you're already behind. But if you follow the belly button, you can cut them off. Because if they think they're going to do something like this with the ball, and then they're going to go this way, you're watching the belly button, guess what? You're cutting them off. <laughs> if you have good feet. <clears throat> okay? Keep your eye on the belly button, guys. You've, you're going to have... If, no, let me change that. Everybody here is more than one years old. Is that correct? <laughs> All right. You're going to have distractions. Things are going to get in your way. Thoughts are going to fly into your head. You're going to see things. People are going to come your way. You're going to get distracted. And you're not going to keep your eyes on Jesus. And you will begin to think, he's not who I thought he was. Keep your eye on the belly button. I want to go to uh, verse 3. In verse 3, it talks about... Uh, we sang verse 3. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. So for me, what that says is that our response to those two questions, what child is this, and what's all this mess in front of me? Could a king, could Jesus, could the Son of God, could God come out of a mess like that? If that's where he started, could he come out of that? Can he really do anything for me? Those are the first two questions. And this is the response. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings that loving hearts enthrone him. The first thing is, is he's saying, man, we, we need to cry out to God and ask him to save us. We need to cry out, God, please, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. Please come and do something with me. And the sooner the better. That's what he's doing. We need to cry out for salvation. <clears throat> and then after that salvation comes, you know what? We need to worship him. We need to praise him. We need to bring him the gifts, talents, and abilities we have and lay them at his feet and say, whatever it is that you want, wherever it is you want me to go, whatever it is that you want me to be, I'm yours. I am completely yours. I want you. 
I am trusting you. You are the one who has saved me. You have rescued me from myself, from my sin. I want you. That's what that third verse is saying. Well, thank you. That's what that third verse is saying. I want you because you're my king. You're my Lord. You're my savior. How do we show him that he's our king? How do we show him that he's our savior? How do we show him that we, he's rescued us? Two things. That's what this is saying. First of all, bring him your gifts and talents and abilities. Lay them at his feet. The other thing is, is if we really do believe he is the Lord God Almighty, King of kings and Lord of lords, we should be worshiping him. We should be praising him. We should be lifting up our hands and saying, Father, I love you. I pray that you will come into my life and into my heart. I want you to come and be real to me. I want to live every day in your presence. I want your presence to be in me. I want to walk hand in hand with you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our response, guys. That's what we should be doing. This morning, we have been talking about who is this child and we have put the question before you what child is this I am asking you today to wrestle with God about this regardless of what is or isn't going on in your life regardless of what you think or how you think it I'm wanting you to wrestle with one of these life-size questions who is Jesus and what does that mean for me? I'm going to ask that you stand. And uh, I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to sing and then Pastor Sean is going to come up. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the sending of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. And because of that, we can walk hand in hand with you from now until. We can be with you, Father. So I'm asking you to come into our lives, to walk with us, to speak to us. Oh, God. Show us that you love us. Open up our eyes that we might see. Give us ears to hear and hearts that will listen. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us of these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.